I have had to try some desperate things to make all of this work today, and I really hope it's actually all going to work. So, for regular viewers, I've been having lots of camera problems. Actually, camera's been fine. The DAC, the digital analog converter from Apollo, has not been so fine. Uh, it's actually been a pain in the ass. And if I'm honest, so far it's a piece of shit, and they haven't been able to fix it. So I went to start recording this like an hour ago, and stuff just didn't work. And I've now ended up installing OBS, so I'm doing like OBS through to YouTube. And it actually looks kind of cool, like I like the, the graphs. <laughs> but I'm not sure that it's all working exactly the way that I'd like it to. So normally someone tells me something doesn't sound good, but... We'll figure that out soon enough, won't we? All right, on to uh, on to other things. Boy, oh boy, what a shit week! <laughs> if I could only talk about everything that happens in my week. Uh, let's start with the easy bits. Let's start with the sponsor bits. Uh, sponsor this week uh, is uh, SafePass.me. So SafePass.me has been a great sponsor for quite a while now, and uh, they do a whole bunch of good stuff to try and stop. Credential stuffing, which is uh, which is good. Who is calling my phone now? Seriously, from plus four four. Where is plus four four? England, of course. Just remember to put things on mute. England, where SafePass.me is from. <laughs> One of the companies I have actually been able to spend time with face to face. Remember when we used to do stuff face to face. So I caught up with them. Uh, actually, I remember where it was. It was at an NDC. I think it might have been an MZC PubCon which used to be so much fun, where we'd actually go to a pub and do fun talks. Anywho, so SafePass.me, this week's sponsor, they do, um, just noticing Tom Chin in first words I hear, ah, oh, shit, yeah, it's basically my day, my week. They, uh, they do some good stuff with Pwn passwords, and they do stuff to allow you to check your Active Directory instances on-prem with the downloadable set of SafePass, SafePass, Pass, oh my God, Pwn passwords data. I've had like one sip of beer, I got so fed up with all of this, I was like, screw it, I'm not even going to do the weekly update now. I'm going to go for a swim first. So I jumped in the pool, swam around a little bit, got beer, and went, that's it. Now we'll do this. It's going to be fine. All right, so <laughs> that's, that's the sponsor done. Let's move on to the, uh, the interesting uh, InfoSec things of the week. Uh, and they have been rather a lot. And the, the first one is just a little bit of follow-up from something else, which I discussed at some length a while back, which was this petition that was put before the UK government, make verified ID a requirement for opening a social media account. And the the premise of this was that it, it appears a, a lady with a, quite some public profile, I can't recall who she was, but she was on TV or something like that, has a disabled son and she seems to have copped rather a lot of abuse targeted at the kid, which is just an atrocious thing to have happen by anyone's measure. And... I sort of discussed it at the time because I said, look, it is interesting that this petition has received more than 100,000 votes. And once it gets more than 100,000 votes, apparently UK Parliament has to hear it. Now, whether you agree with it or not, it's a significant number of votes. And at the time, we sort of went through the pros and cons of this. Uh, obviously, anonymity is something which is very important to many people. Uh, for, for many folks out there, particularly if they're in more marginalised minorities or targeted groups, they want to have that protection of anonymity. And handing over your ID didn't seem like such a good thing. I was also conscious that, uh, look, I mean, I get some nasty stuff online, don't get me wrong, but for the most part, I can brush it off. We will talk about some other nasty stuff I've had this week, actually. But it must be atrocious to to have a situation where your child is um, 
the target of something like that, particularly uh, a child in her situation. So I can understand where this thing comes from. The problem, of course, is that there's this whole debate around whether anonymity actually stops people from being dickheads online because there are plenty of people who want to be dickheads under their own identity. And this is basically where this petition has ended. The government's response, and this is, we won't go through it all, but the first bit here is, being anonymous online does not give anyone the right to abuse others. Fair enough. Oh, why is my screen so blurry? There it is. Uh, the government's abuse, the government's online harms legislation will address harmful online abuse, including when the perpetrator is anonymous. Anyway, it goes on and on a little bit, but uh, and, and this, in, in fairness, I think this is quite a well-considered response. And, the, and the, the TLDR is they've gone, no, people do deserve anonymity. We're not going to force you to have an ID. But there's a lot of stuff in here which is quite interesting in terms of uh, powers that the police have, uh, the fact that uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of stuff around uh, being a recognisable identity actually reducing your uh, propensity to be a dickhead. So apparently that doesn't actually help a lot. And then, of course, they talk about the value of things like whistleblowers, journalist sources, victims of abuse, or modern slavery and political dissidents. A blanket ban on anonymity would wash away these important benefits and would be unlikely to stop online abuse. So I think this is a, a good outcome. I, I do think that it is a debate that's worthy to have simply because online abuse is a really, uh, really serious thing, particularly for those that are, that, are, that are real targets of it. And interestingly, just looking at the responses that I had when I sort of shared this and said, hey, there, there are pros and cons, uh, most of the people who responded more sympathetically to the petition, uh, I'm trying to pick my words carefully here, were of demographics where they would more likely have received abuse than others. And I, and I think that's interesting. That perhaps they have a degree of empathy that some other people don't have. Now, looking through the comments here, uh, what beer are you drinking today? Well, it was a hazy something. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was a hazy neeper, and it is delicious too. Mm. It does feel very well earned today. It has been a very long day because I've had a workshop all week. A very long day, a very long week. Uh, and I do split the workshops up into four half days now. So it's basically four days of, of a half day sitting in front of the computer doing the cyber thing, which I've done more than 100 times now for this event. And then on top of that, all the Facebook stuff we'll talk about. And on top of that, many other things, including blog posts. In fact, there's one blog post I've written, which I really wanted to get out because it's just a, something I'm a bit passionate about. Uh, but that's going to have to be next week. There's all of that and a whole bunch of other stuff going on in the background that I can't really talk about some of it yet, but will come out over time. So it has been a little bit of a crazy one. Uh, so, <laughs> so the beer tastes good. I think that's the TLDR. TLDR there. Thank you, Marcus. Um what else have we got in here? Uh, Burton, is the audio and video working great together now? Well, yeah. look, I think OBS might be the key here because OBS does allow you to start tying some stuff together a bit better. And for those of you that have not seen it before, I might even just uh, grab a screenshot of this and I can I can post it on Twitter. One where I don't look like an idiot in the screen, <laughs> the screen grab. Let's see that. Here we go. Uh, it's kind of cool that you get a... Um, a little graph of like viewers and things like that. So I'll just copy this and I'll put it in the tweet that I just put out now saying that this is live. You do get some better stuff, uh, frankly, once you broadcast through ABS as apparently just as, as opposed to just going like straight into YouTube itself. So where's my profile? There we go, tweets, uh-huh, and there. And I'll just go live now that we'll put a little sunglassy face in here because we are on the gold coast we need to keep up the appearances 
There we go. So anyone interested in seeing that, I just put that tweet in the thread. So that's what I see, which actually looks pretty cool. I like the way the little graph <laughs> goes like that. Um, yeah, Kelvin, uh, camera quality is crazy. DSLR, yes, it is a DSLR. It is a Canon A6400 with a Sigma something something lens. Uh, now, the something something can be found by Googling Troy Hunt Ultimate Home Office and you'll find my latest setup. But it is a super, super nice camera. I'm not 100% happy with the lights. So I think we just got a little bit too much color in there. But that's something that I'm still working on. All right, let me move on because I did mention it's a big one. CoinHive. This makes me so happy. <laughs> Last week, I spoke about CoinHive. And for, for those of you who may have missed it, CoinHive is the crypto, crypto mining uh, JavaScript library, which you could embed into your website so that you could monetize your visitors' traffic literally by mining CPU cycles of them. That died about two years ago, early 2019. But it did exist on a whole bunch of websites where I think the numbers were roughly something like a third of the instances on websites were put there by website operators. And about two thirds of the instances were put there by hackers who managed to get their JavaScript to run on someone else's website. But the fun thing is, is that when their JavaScript runs on someone else's website, and then I own the CoinHive domain, because I now own the CoinHive domain, I can put my JavaScript on other people's websites. What's not to like about that? So I decided to put JavaScript on there, which said this website has been compromised, you know, contact the site owner. Now, I'm actually surprised at how little feedback I have had from site owners. Now, one of these site owners got in touch and said, how do I remove this sign from my website? And what I like about it is it's a comment on the blog that has the instructions of how to remove this from your website. And I'm like, scroll back up, read from the top, and you'll be fine. That was fun. But my favorite, my absolute favorite, and if you've got little ears in the car, now's the time to actually mute this. This one came through in Russian. <laughs> so we're relying on Google Translate here. <laughs> but someone just left a comment that said, fuck your fucking link is blocking my page, fuck. And, and that was it. So, of course, I tweeted that. I tweeted an image of the Google Translate and a whole bunch of Russian people chimed in. And they're like, no, 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 it's actually much worse than the way that reads. This person is really, really pissed off with you. And that made me enormously happy <laughs> because it's like either you're a dick and you've put this here to like mine crypto in your, your customers' browsers or your website has been hacked and you really should be focusing on actually making your website unhacked and removing the script from there. So that was quite funny. Um, now, what I haven't looked at and what I can look at on the fly right now is how has the traffic changed? Because it was doing about 3 million hits a day and over 100,000 uniques uh, from memory per day. So what has CoinHive done in the last week? I've been too busy to even pay any attention. What I want to see is I actually want to see the traffic go down. I know this is like a counterintuitive thing for anyone like running a service. But I want to see it go down because if it goes down, that means there are less websites that still have CoinHive on them. So what have we done in the last week in terms of requests? Uh, oh, this is interesting. Is that less? Or am I looking at something different? What if we say the last month? Uh, oh, wow. This has actually massively dropped. This is super cool. So I saw a peak of 3.63 million requests. And this is on the 24th of March. And then it was tracking roughly around the 3 million requests a day. It's now tracking around only 600,000 requests a day. Well, that's good news. 
I've never been so happy to see the traffic on a service I run go down. That's fantastic. What about unique visitors? Interestingly, unique visitors hasn't gone down a lot. So unique visitors was tracking at about 110,000 a day, and now it's at maybe 80 to 90,000 a day. I think the longer term trend will be the interesting one here. So anyway, that is uh, that is CoinHive. That code will stick there. Uh, I won't remove my fucking link from his page. I will keep it there, and I will keep those messages coming up until they uh, they get their pages unhacked. <laughs> so looking at the uh, the comments here. G'day from Primitive Campground. There's no in here. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> I know, Jeff. I hope you're enjoying your camping, mate. Uh, something, something is really good lens. Yeah, uh, it is a good lens. Just Google like Sigma something, something good lens. You'll, I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, and a few other people here quite enjoying the, uh, the, the, the coin hive thing. And in case I'm, I'm distracting people playing with this thing, I printed a, uh, it's like a, a 3D clip, like with a little ratchet. And I, for the life of me, I cannot put this thing down because I think it's just such a cool thing to have printed. I will put it down, back on the table. All right, other stuff. Facebook. Wow. Mm. Just before I do that, I found one more note here. Um, one other thing on CoinHive. Several people reported that my blog, TroyHunt.com, was being flagged by antivirus products as being malicious and it wouldn't let them go there and it would give warnings and things like this. Now, I have had this happen before and I had this happen several years ago because I have a subdomain on troyhunt.com which I use just to set some files on that people can download and one of the files on there was Havage which was a bit of a Mickey Mouse graphical user interface SQL injection tool that I'd use for demonstrating SQL injection and services picked that up and even though it was hosted somewhere completely differently because it was a subdomain on my blog I started getting flagged by AV products. Now this week I started getting flagged by AV products because of CoinHive. Now I ended up getting in touch with one of them and having a DM, uh, and in fact, uh, I think it went to email, but anyway, it was a long discussion. Someone who was super, super nice from one of these organizations, and many of these organizations use the same list. And uh, we had a good discussion, and what it boiled down to is that I am redirecting some traffic from coinhive.com to my blog. I'm not redirecting the JavaScript, but if you go to like just coinhive.com, naked domain name or www but like no path it redirects 301s to my blog and this was sufficient to get my blog flagged as potentially malicious and i sort of went back to this guy and i said well okay so because i own coinhive if i was to 301 coinhive.com to your website would you be blocked so do i now have the control now that i have coinhive to get other websites flagged in your AV product because something else completely different 301 to it. That's stupid. Don't stop doing that stuff. That's just going to mess it up. You're breaking the internet. So anyway, that was a fun discussion. I think I'm back online with uh, with all the AV products, but yeah, it, it was a weird one. Fear My Dark here in the comments says, antivirus programs can be stupid sometimes. Yes, I'm with you on that. <laughs> they flag a lot of programs that are not even close to being viruses or malicious. Now, interestingly, even whilst I was uh, writing the whole CoinHive code, literally putting my own JavaScript in a CoinHive file, I had Windows Defender popping up going, hey, you've got a virus. No, it's not a virus. It's just called CoinHive.js, and it's my code in there. Mm. Now, Facebook. <laughs> We're 15 minutes in. Let's see how long this goes for. This is a very multifaceted discussion with Facebook. So maybe what we'll do is we'll just start with sort of the, the, the facts, the nuts and bolts. Look at that. I'll go and pop a smurf again. Why does it go all blue like that? 
then I'm talking about light too. Facebook is a very multifaceted dis- uh, discussion. And it's a multifaceted discussion because it's one of these things where I'm reticent to use the term breach in describing it. And I, I want to sort of um, give a little bit more, I, I guess, structure to, to why I say I don't want to use the word breach. And I'm just trying to get white things on my screen. Oh, boy. To make the uh, the light better. I've got to sort this out. That's annoying. Anyway, move on. So um, the Facebook incident. Now, I first heard of something related to this Facebook incident more than two weeks ago uh, when someone who I trust, who is, is reputable and reliable, sent me data, which was allegedly the Facebook breach. Now, I have had loads of data sent to me over the years with people saying, this is Facebook. And very often it's been junk. And very often it's been fabricated from different sources or it's been something of minor significance that they might have just scraped off publicly accessible material. And and this is sort of where it ultimately ended up anyway. But point being is that I don't always apply the same degree of urgency to if someone popped up and said, for argument's sake, uh, um, very popular online shopping service, this is the dump of that, and here's the .sql file, and it's got all of the user records in there and the passwords and things like that, and it came via SQL injection or an exposed database backup. This wasn't that. And I was busy, so I didn't really do much with it. And then, it must have been about Monday my time, I got up and I suddenly just got like a flood of messages from people. And this is always sort of the litmus test, right? So once I start getting a flood of messages from someone, I know something has gotten interesting. So I went back to the earlier email and I pulled the data out and I found a large amount of information which was interesting insofar as it was broken down by country, one file per country, over 100 files. The country names were in Italian. In fact, initially, I was just tweeting this as I went. I'm like, oh, it's interesting. There's Australia, but there's no Norway. It's like, yeah, because Norway in Italian is something that doesn't look like the word Norway. So there's that. And I started filtering through it. My data wasn't in there. Uh, Charlotte's was in there. So her Norwegian number was in there. Other friends who sometimes join me on this show were in there. I'll just leave it as that. Uh, uh, so other parts of the world, they're in there. And I, I sort of went, hey, does this look like your data? And they're like, yep, that's me. Phone number, name, location. So in, in Charlotte, it was like the name of her hometown. It wasn't an address or something like that. Uh, some records had email. Only about half a percent of records had email. Some records had birth date. Probably a similar amount. I didn't actually do a count on that. So we're sort of looking at this going, all right, I'm seeing these Facebook headlines. 533 million records was the, uh, the, the headlines about Facebook. And I grabbed the two and a half million email addresses and I, I put them in Have I Been Pwned? Because that was a pretty easy win insofar as it's easy to put email addresses in Have I Been Pwned? Hmm. Now, then a lot of people are going, you're going to put the phone numbers in. And I sort of go, look, I've never done phone numbers before. And there is a user voice sitting there, it was sitting there, requesting phone numbers. And it goes back years. And I had replied to the user voice and said, look, I'm not going to do phone numbers for several reasons. Number one, phone numbers rarely appear in data breaches compared to email addresses. So if you go to the Who's Been Pwned link on Have I Been Pwned and you have a look for each data breach, what data was exposed, phone numbers are exceedingly rare. That was number one. Number two, when there are phone numbers, they're much harder to parse out than email addresses. 
simply because email addresses can be regexed out. It's very easy to create a regex to pull email addresses out. And it basically goes like this. Some text, an at symbol, some text, a dot, some text, and then word breaks at either side, uh, quotes, spaces, anything like that. That's not a 100% perfect regex for email address. Fun fact, you can't actually write a 100% perfect regex for email address. Google my name and email address regex, you'll see why. But it doesn't have to be perfect. If it's 99.5% perfect, and I think it's probably even better than that, then that is sufficient for purpose. Phone numbers, you can't just write a regex for. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that there are many other things that would adhere to a phone number pattern as well. For example, uh, identifiers on records. They could be integers and they could be of a similar length to a phone number. Two, phone numbers don't conform to the same format consistently. Now, this is one of the things that's come up subsequently after putting in Have I Been Pwned, where people say, well, do you put the plus at the front for the country code? Do you put, say in Australia, the 0011 before you dial out? But in many other parts of the world, it's just 00. Are there spaces in there? Are there brackets in there? Are there dashes in there? And particularly if you've got free text entry on, say, a forum sign-up to put your phone number in, and that free text phone number is the one that goes into the database, you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff in different formats in the one database. And then there's also the issue that for all of the other breaches, where phone number exists, email always exists. And if I'm trying to answer the question, have I been pwned, and there's already email, then why do I need phone numbers? I understand the desire. People want to know what's been leaked about them, but that actually makes stuff a lot harder. And it doesn't really help answer the question any more than it's already been answered. Now, Facebook flipped all of that on its head and it added one other thing as well. So the number one thing it added is it had a consistent set of formatted phone numbers in the same column of CSV files. It was the first position in the CSV file, and it was always formatted with the full international code. I'm just watching the comments fly up here. Per Tom Robinson's comments, it is a standard E.164 format. So for folks in Australia, an E.164 format would be 61, and then if your number was, you know, 0413 or something like that, then it would be like 64, hang on, <laughs> no, 61413. You know what I mean. It takes a zero off the front and then there's the rest of the number. Uh, if you're in the UK, it'd be 4-4-something-something. If you're in North America, US or Canada, it would start with a 1. So it was in a consistent format. It was in the right format, and it was always in position 1. And there were about 200 times more phone numbers than what there were email addresses. So suddenly, every reason I had for not doing it literally flipped on its head. And then the final catalyst for me was I started seeing all these other search sites pop up. And people were messaging me and they're going, hey, have you seen the site called Have I Been and then something? And it wasn't just like, you know, Have I Been Something? It was Have I Been Something 1, Have I Been Something 2. All these different versions of Have I Been Something where all of these people are standing up these search sites. And um, it was kind of like, okay, well, this is this is flattering. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. Maybe I've made a good thing. And other people are wanting to replicate my good thing. That's fantastic. However, who are these people? And in some cases, they're, they're, I think I saw one of them, they had like a transparency page or something. So first of all, good on them for that, for being open about it. Uh, but beyond that, it's like, okay, it's, it's like, I am John Smith from Surrey. It's like, all right, uh, I think that's good. So I really, based on all those things, I looked at it and went, how hard would it be really? So I grabbed all the data. 
grabbed all the phone numbers and I, I put them into table storage. I haven't actually written about this, so here's the scoop. <laughs> to put them into table storage, I've got I've got 10.6 billion something email address records in there, and they all go into table storage. And in table storage in Azure, uh, every petition is one to one with the domain. So, for example, there is a petition called TroyHunt.com, and in the TroyHunt.com petition, there's not much data, but there is some. And that's a petition key. And then every row key is the alias. So it's like, you know, foo at troyhunt.com. So troyhunt.com is the petition key and foo is the row key. And then uh, I thought, okay, well, if I do phone numbers, first of all, I get a brand new table. So I can put it into a brand new table. Now, because I can put it in a brand new table, it means I can batch insert. So batch ins, we're going totally off like just data rich mechanics and talking about cloud architecture now. But a batch insert in Azure allows you to submit 100 records or insert 100 records into the same petition in one query. And it literally goes somewhere in the order of 100 times faster than not doing that. So even though 500 plus million is a very large number, when it's a brand new set of data, I can do it really quickly. So I decided to end up petitioning everything just based on the first digit. Because I thought, look, 500 million records, I don't think this is going to be a regular thing. If we divide it down into nine petitions, because there is no phone number that begins with a zero, it's either one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine, nine petitions out of the 500 something million, I'm going to end up with each petition averaging out at like the 60 million stuff. Turns out it's not an even distribution because you've got a lot more phone numbers beginning with nine, because that's used, I think that was India, that part of the world, than you have beginning with, say, uh, I think four. I think four might have been one of the earliest ones because four is predominantly just the UK. Uh, and then you get into the threes and it's the rest of Europe and this sort of thing. So anyway, I got it all loaded up pretty quickly. And then the, all I had to do with the logic is go, look, if you're searching for something and it's not an email address, but it does match a phone number pattern, and a phone number pattern is just a positive integer between 10 and 14 characters long, then just go and look in the phone number table storage. Uh, and the way you look in there is you get the first digit, that's the petition, then you get everything else, and that's the row key. Job done. Easy peasy peasy. So the actual coding, to be honest, I spent more time trying to remember how to actually deploy the functions API, which I haven't deployed for about a year, than what I did actually writing the code. So, so it was easy to do that. And I put it out there, and the hordes descended. So I've had... My biggest, I'm going to pull the stats here so I'll give you real figures, but my biggest uh, 24-hour rolling number, I think, was about 6 million visitors. Now, just for context, have I been pwned on a normal day does around about 200,000 unique visitors, which I thought was pretty good. It has been larger during this period. So if I look at the last, let's just say the last 72 hours, the last 72 hours has been 12 million visitors. And the biggest peak here was that there were 400,000 uh, unique visits on April 6th at 10 p.m. my time. 400,000.42, uh, which, is, which is pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. Infrastructure-wise, everything stood up beautifully. Uh, I know when it stands up beautifully because nothing happens. <laughs> like everything just works. So the front page of Have I Been Pwned is massively cached at Cloudflare. The APIs all hit serverless functions on Azure. There is a direct line to my wallet. It's not very much because they're functions and they execute super, super fast. Uh, and that was it. So I was super, super happy about that. And 
and to be honest, the only way I knew we had the traffic was two things. Number one, I kept looking at the Cloudflare graph. Number two, I kept looking at my Lemetric down here. And uh, normally I have 1,000 something new subscribers per day to have I been pwned. I think I peaked at about 25,000 in a day um, in a 24 hour period when this period was going. And I, I can just see the numbers there and the numbers just keep ticking over and ticking over. I tweeted six days ago that I'd hit 3.6 million. It's now 3.7 million. So it gives you a little bit of a sense of, of what it was doing in terms of volume. So that was the platform stuff. Now I'm just going to read some of the comments before too much stuff scrolls off and then I'll talk about some of the other nuances of this. Um, what else have we got in here? Uh, Facebook data leaks is Michelangelo and done. I've been on the platform since 2010, but my email and phone were not in the data set. Is it safe to say it was a subset of data leaks? All right, good question. So my data is not in there either. And I've been on Facebook. I seem to remember starting to use it just before my son was born in 2009. So let's, let's say I've been there like 12 years or something and my data wasn't there. But as I said, Charlotte's data was there, uh, as, as were many other friends. I'm not sure what the criteria is. But let's talk about what we know in terms of how it was obtained, and that might help answer that question, then I'll come back to the other ones here. Facebook have said, and I have a high degree of confidence in what they've said, and I'll explain why shortly, they've said that this data was obtained by abusing the feature that allowed you to connect to your friends based on your contact list. Now, if you put aside for a moment however you feel about Facebook in terms of the volume of data they collect and all this sort of thing, there is a valid argument to be made that if you're running a platform that allows you to connect to other people, being able to look at your phone book and find people by either email address or phone number makes sense. Uh, if I wanted, as a user of this service, to have a feature that allowed me to find those people, I imagine that they're the two sort of keys, if you like, to identities that make the most sense. And it sounds like sometime in 2019, this feature was abused by someone who has figured out that if you throw enough phone numbers at the thing, you can get back other identities that match those phone numbers. Now, I'm not sure if I'm oversimplifying it, if they literally just took a phone number and just kept you know, adding one until they got more numbers and saw what came back. But it has certainly been attributed to scraping. So when I said before, I'm not sure if breach is the right term, scraping does seem like a more correct term. This wasn't SQL injection or an unsecured database or something like that, it was a feature which was used in a way that differed to what Facebook intended it to be used for. So why was my data not in there? Why was Michelangelo Van Damme's data not in there? If I was to hazard a guess, I would say maybe we didn't have our phone numbers there in a fashion that was discoverable by this tool. Uh, Facebook, frankly, has got so much stuff on it at the moment in terms of our profile, I wouldn't even know where to go to double check that. And I wouldn't know if it's the same now as what it was when it got scraped, but that seems like the most feasible explanation at the moment. Fear My Dark uh, says that 2.5 billion users and 500 million are part of it. So Facebook's actually almost 3 billion users now. It's very close to 3 billion, if not hit 3 billion already. Uh, now, the fact there are only 5 million as part of it means that we got, uh, we got. <laughs> it wasn't me. Trust me, that sounded really bad. It's less than 20% of the Facebook audience. Now, normally, 500 plus million records in a breach would be massive. But when it's less than 20%, it's all relative. Look at the other comments here. Uh, so fear, fear my duck says it was mostly mainly people who use phone numbers in their accounts. Yep, which sounds fair. Um, someone here says I had fun 
time trying to map my local address book with the breach data. I agree, phone numbers are very tricky to map. Calvin says, not 100% sure on this, but I believe the breach was performed by asking Facebook API. Pretty much what I just said here. Uh, lots of scraping, scraping. Uh, Calvin says it's pronounced Azure. I agree with that. <laughs> I'm messing with you. <laughs> uh, what else have we got in here? Cloudflare is brilliant. Yes, it is. Burton says, how much would it have costed without Cloudflare? Um, it, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been too bad. I don't think. And and the reason I don't think it would have been too bad is the front page is relatively light. The volume, the vast volume, is the querying of the function, and the function is pretty quick to to serve up. I probably, without Cloudflare, I probably would have uh, converted that Azure web app into an Azure static website, which is something I've never done yet, but I have seen the press, and it looks really good. It, it'll be more. Cloudflare makes a massive difference to my ability to run all of this, particularly pwn passwords, where I'm getting very, very close to 100% case hit ratio. I, uh, I tested it again today for um, for something else I was doing, and I got about. I noticed over the last month, I've had about 99.5% case hit ratio on pwn passwords. So Cloudflare have literally reduced the traffic to my origin by 99.5%. Uh, love those guys. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, what beer do you have? <laughs> You're late to the show. So earlier on, I was saying it's 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 uh, it was a uh, Nipa hazy something. I can't remember exactly which one. Mike Langeo, scary stats cloud actually is awesome. Yeah, and you know the fun thing with this, I, I honestly treat it like a little bit of a challenge, which is like I, I wonder how big I can make it. You know, like I wonder how big I can make it, and still just be one person doing it, and still do it for pretty cheap. I wonder, I wonder. A few things coming up that, that may start to t- test that theory. We'll see. A uh, few other people not in there. Now, here's a good one. Fear My Dark says, the way they reacted to the leaked breach was pretty stupid in my opinion. So let's talk about that because I think there's an important part of the narrative. And I'm going to preface it by saying I have subsequently spoken to people in Facebook. And I will share my views on that shortly. I, I think with Facebook that the first thing that we, we have to kind of get to grips with is there is a lot of very vitriolic responses directed at Facebook that I frankly think are unfair. I do not like the, the premise of hashtag delete Facebook. Uh, if you don't want to use it, then don't use it. But I personally get a lot of personal fulfillment out of Facebook. I get fulfillment, particularly in this time where we can't really travel. Uh, I don't get to see people in the other parts of the world. I get a lot of fulfillment out of being able to share their life, to see what they do and to share my life with them as well. And I think we sort of lose sight sometimes when we get so focused on on individual parts of the puzzle, uh, things like the privacy aspects, which are very serious things, but they are individual parts, uh, or, or the risk to personal liberties and things like that. And we just look at them in isolation and we don't kind of go, well, you know, there's many other things that are very good about it as well. I have never been inclined to delete Facebook. I am very selective about what I share on Facebook. Pretty much everything I share on Facebook is public because I assume that everything I put on Facebook might be public one day. And I'm conscious that there's a lot of data they have on me well beyond what I even understand uh, and that that's valuable to them. Uh, And in turn, I get something that is valuable and useful for me. So I think we've got to start there. Now, in terms of how they reacted to this, I I do feel that the headlines we have seen have been a bit hyperbolic and are not consistent with what has actually happened. 
Uh, this wasn't a breach. <laughs> we can't call it a breach. This was misuse of a Facebook feature. Now, as I said earlier on, there is a valid use case for the feature. Uh, should it have been there? Should it have been that easy to abuse? I would say uh, right now, Facebook is probably going, no, it shouldn't have been that easy to abuse, but there was a good reason for having it. I did notice as part of Facebook's response, and, and I've seen two responses from them. I saw one that came out very shortly after this incident was in the press and, and one a few days later. I feel, <laughs> I feel their responses have been written by lawyers. Uh, that's probably because they've been written by lawyers. And suddenly this feels like ubiquity all over again. But their responses have been written by lawyers. And I always feel with these incidents that there is a significant portion of ass covering that goes on in these disclosure notices. I'll give you an example of that. <laughs> There's a bit here in one of their notices, and I'm just going off the top of my head, where they said something to the effect of, you know, we'd like to remind people that uh, scraping, scraping endpoints on Facebook is against the terms of service. <laughs> do you think like hacker or whoever we want to call this person was like well i was going to scrape all your data out and then i read the terms of service and i realized i wasn't allowed to do that i can see the legal box that ticks and legal is a necessary evil in these things but it just it just read bad didn't it like when you read that it's like why don't we just make all the bad stuff illegal and then it won't happen anymore well it just doesn't work that way I would have liked to have seen a bit more transparency from them in terms of how this happened, why it is in the news now. So this is one of the big questions I got from reporters. I've done so many interviews this week. Why is this only news now if it happened so long ago? Now, I think the answer to that is that someone was monetizing this data and they got to the point where the value of it had disappeared, possibly because other people were starting to share it around, uh, possibly because they wanted to spread it more broadly in terms of looking for sales through more mainstream hacking forums. <laughs> and it has appeared very extensively on a mainstream hacking forum. But obviously, it's just gotten to the point where the value of it has gone so low, it started to spread. And once it starts to spread, that's it, it's game over. And this data is everywhere. It's all over Twitter. It's all over forums. It's broken up into individual files. We can download in different places on different search sites. It's all over the place. I think Facebook could have done a better job explaining why that happened and why we are where we now are. Now, let me just look at the comments, and I'll come back to my discussion with them as well. Uh, Someone says, I actively avoided adding no one to my Facebook and was not in this breach either. Okay, good explanation there. Another question about the beer. It's still a hazy neeper. And I still can't remember which one. And I'm not about to remember at this rate either. Who can look up using phone number you provided? Who can look up using the email address you provided? These two options in, uh, is Facebook privacy policy. Yep, All right. come back to Facebook privacy policy again. Uh, Fear My Dark says, have you heard about the Brazilian hacker who I think leaked 213 million Brazilians' data? Uh, no, that might be a new one. I'll keep an eye out of that. Michelangelo says, says, Azure static websites are awesome and super fast too. That's what I hear. But it's only a premium Azure storage account. Uh, so it might be one of these things I need to look into a little bit more. Uh, and Kelvin says, I don't mind being the product as long as I'm getting something useful out of it. So this inevitably refers to uh, the comment we often hear which is that if you are not paying for the product then you are the product and uh, I, I dislike this saying uh, because it, it it is a very myopic sort of view which is if you are not paying any money then you are being taken advantage of because I think that this is what's implied but I agree with Kelvin in that 
we do get things out of this. And partly the reason I don't like that saying is because you don't pay for have I been pwned and I don't productize anyone that does any searches on this. So so that's not a really good way of, uh, of putting it. I think um, a lot of the trick here, and this is one of the things I said to reporters, yeah, I, I, I disagree with the delete Facebook premise. What I would prefer people to do is to be conscious about how much information they want to share and to use the good bits of the platform and to not offer too much information. Uh, Fear My Dark says, I heard that someone bought the entire data set for 10,000 and then shared it for free in hacking forum. <laughs> did a hacker say that? Like, <laughs> And I, I know that's a, that's a bit of a derogatory term. Did, did some anonymous person seeking credibility say that? Who knows? Who knows? It's a bit of an odd one. Jess says, uh, can you send me a beer? Thanks. No. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Fear My Dark says he got arrested two weeks ago. Um, his name is uh, Vander the God, in case you want to look it up. Yeah, he's the same guy responsible for taking over a lot of US government websites in 2019, if you remember about it. There's always a lot of speculation about who is responsible. And frankly, until we see someone actually brought on charges that, that actually stick, uh, and particularly any acknowledgements of guilt, it's a little bit hard to say. Now, let me get back to the Facebook theme, because I mentioned I had a chat to them. So I got an email uh, and it was very nice <laughs> and and I had a chat to some folks there uh, literally just yesterday. So it's, where are we now? It's 6, 6.20 p.m. here on a Friday for me. It was yesterday morning. Uh, and I had a chat to some folks there. And the, the first thing I want to say is I really think that it's very easy for us to lose sight of the people behind both big companies and government. And, and I've said many times before on, on the latter point on government, people have lots of perceptions of government. You know, they're trying to spy on our things. They want to get all up in our data and backdoor our things and you know, all the rest of it. And i got to say, like, without exception, every single person that I've met in government and law enforcement all over the world, uh, and very often when I used to travel, I'd go to a country and then I'd get some time to go and have a look at their national cybersecurity centers in whichever country it might be and, and the way they, they do their cyber things. And the people were always so, so nice. They're very, very smart. They get vetted pretty extensively by government. They're almost always working for a fraction, like half, what they could earn if they go out and they work in private enterprise and so on and so forth. And I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the perception that people have when they just observe from the outside and they look at the news headlines is really inconsistent with the reality. The big tech companies like Facebook, very similar thing. I, I had a trip to San Francisco a few years ago and I just went back to back to a whole bunch of tech companies for two or three days. And I'd, I'd literally just tweet it out and I'm like, hey, you're in Silicon Valley and want to say day and have a beer or something. And I got awesome invites. I went to Twitter, to Facebook, to Uber, to uh, Coinbase, uh, to, was it EA Games, one of the games? A whole bunch of places like this. And everyone was just super, super nice. And, and I say that simply because that was also the experience I had yesterday when I spoke to the Facebook people. And they were genuinely interested in privacy and how they preserve privacy whilst also running the platform that all these people want to use. And I give that caveat simply because I do believe that there is a desire to try and make sure that incidents like this are handled in the best way possible. So anyway, they sort of said, hey, what do you reckon about we link to Have I Been Pwned in one of our help pages? And I'm doing the maths and I'm like, three billion subscribers. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, this will be interesting. And, and really pretty much boiled down to, well, 
how many people do you actually expect to go to this thing? You know, I'm doing six million a day or something, which seems pretty impressive, and it's not really touching the sides of the Azure instances that I have. Um, and we, we kind of did the maths, and I, I concluded that it would be something which which would be okay. And I, I won't say the exact numbers because I don't know if that's information that they want to share or not. But they genuinely wanted to give people an avenue to, to find this information. Now, I did see someone later on after I shared a tweet. So overnight, they added a link to, to have I been pwned. Uh, and you know what? They can't talk about their numbers. So I can talk about my numbers. Do I have anywhere in my Cloudflare data here? Visits by source. Uh, m.facebook.com. Okay, I've had 607,000 people come from there. But I suspect that m.facebook.com is going to be the mobile version. Which means, in that case, what if we look at the last 12 hours? I haven't seen massive traffic, is the bottom line with this. And in fact, if I look at the referrers, the only face I, I see in the last 12 hours, 781,000 visits, uh, no referrer, 309,000. And then the first Facebook one is m.facebook.com at 30,000. So there certainly hasn't been anything in here that has caused me to worry about supporting them. But I, I was happy to do it, and I was happy that they wanted to do it themselves because I do like the fact that they're trying to give people more awareness of the incident. I would still... I'm, I'm actually almost on the fence because, again, I don't think this is a breach in the traditional sense, but I would still like to see them provide some sort of ability for people to understand what data is in circulation. And the, the reason I keep hesitating on this is because it's not a normal breach due to... A vulnerability in their security it's, it's literally features that people enabled and that's that's where i have that that little sticky point all right let's look at the comments here <laughs> jeff's got a memory someone says i cannot comprehend the amount of finnish accounts on the data one in 381,000. Finland's population was five uh, 5.5 million in 2019 so it makes 25% of all the finnish people listed I, I can't understand the, the, the number of Australian data being so high. So we've got 25 million people in Australia and there are 7.3 million records. And if you take out the children and then you take out the other people that don't have Facebook, it seems like a very significant portion of the Australian population. And I'm not quite sure why that is. I don't have the answer for that at the moment. So another uh, uh, person from Finland here with a, with a name I can't pronounce, but greetings and good morning from Finland. Just read the data scraper from, linked, from LinkedIn, just like the Facebook one, anything like this LinkedIn breach. So the news now is that there is a LinkedIn incident that's about half a billion as well. Uh, I have not seen the data yet. If you have the data, drop me an email. I'd be curious to see it. I'm probably in there. Um, maybe it's the same thing. I, I do find, well, the same sort of thing. I, I do find the timing interesting. So... Is it just coincidence or is someone trying to leverage the press that Facebook is getting at the moment to, uh, to possibly turn this into something else? Uh, we'll see. All right, let me, uh, let me go on to something else. Uh, I think I've sort of done Facebook to death there. I, I, honestly, I, I think we'll get into next week and everyone will just go, oh, yeah, I remember that. It was a while ago. And we'll move on. Speaking of next week, let me talk about the, uh, the book that I'm doing. So I have... Uh, I have more formally announced the book other than just mentioning it casually here on this on this video. And the, I guess that the big thing that I mentioned for the first time when I posted about the book a few days ago is that I'm doing this with Rob Connery. Uh, and Rob Connery is a super, super cool guy. Uh, and he's a good friend of mine as well. And he's, he's one of these people where uh, 
earlier on in my career, before I was doing any of the public things, he was one of the people that I'd always look up to. And I always liked the things he did. He, uh, he wrote some great books that I used, um, including books about MVC, which I, I read and then used to build Have I Been Pwned. He wrote the Subsonic ORM. Uh, he built TechPub, which was an online training service later bought by Pluralsight. And the thing that I remember the most was the, the show that he did with Scott Hanselman called This Developer's Life. And it was such a good show. And, and Rob's so nice to listen to. <laughs> He's got such a great voice and he tells such a good story. And I really, really enjoyed everything that Rob did. And then as the years went by and I started to, uh, to, to get around a bit more myself, we'd catch up in various places. He would often be a speaker at NDC, the, the conference that, that Charlotte would run with the other folks in Norway. Uh, and we would catch up in, in various places around the world. And several years ago, he said, um, like, we should totally take your blog and we'll take a bunch of the blog posts and we'll turn it into a book and it will be awesome. And I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> who, wants to, who wants to buy a book? Because eventually we will sell this thing as well. Like, Who wants to buy a book with blog posts that are already out there for free? And he's like, no, 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 no. I think that there's a lot of a story, a lot of a story, a lot of stories behind the blog post that you have not yet spoken about. And that would make the good material. Like, let's, let's get the backstory behind the post. I was like, oh, that's a little bit, a little bit more interesting. And this was, this was in 2018 that Rob said this would be a good idea. And, and I went so far as thinking about which blog posts I might put in there. And I also went so far as figuring out who I wanted to write a forward uh, to, the, uh, to the book. And I won't share that just yet. We'll leave that a secret. There's actually a couple of people there. And then, uh, then life got very busy. I, I went through the whole Have I Been Pwned m and at the same time I was going through a divorce as well. Those things do sap your time. Just you know, pro tip, if you're ever thinking about these things, do plan to spend a lot of time on both those episodes. So that was very busy. And it really wasn't until I got through to, to, the, to this year and life was a little bit more settled that we picked it up again. And, and it was good because we're like, all right, now there's actually been a lot of really interesting stuff happen over the last couple of years. So now we're going through and for every one of the blog posts we got in there, I'm going through and I'm writing an introduction about what was the actual reason behind this. And it, very often it's, it's somewhat different to what's obvious. And then, uh, then what happened afterwards? So what happened after the blog post what happened as it relates to a data breach what happened with the have i been pwned m a what happened with some of the more personal stuff and i gotta say that is hard finding the right words for that uh and then also what that the bit we've still got to fill in and, and rob was saying you know maybe this should be a blog post and i think what we're going to do is it's probably just going to be like a, a a book only bit at the end of it but you know what's what's changed now so i'm in this life where things are much more stable i'm engaged i've got stability with have i been pwned uh, it's been a bit busy this week but other than that stability and life is uh life is pretty good in most ways so maybe there'll be a like a follow-up there we're going to do a bunch of other material around it as well a bunch of other uh, video stuff and some interviews and things like that and basically just try and give it a bit of personality and make it a bit of fun now to that effect we are going to be pushing this out in betas so you'll be able to get access to a beta and we'll take some feedback on it and we'll iterate a little bit and we'll try and refine it a little bit. 
And what we actually want to do is we're going to run a live stream with Rob and I on Tuesday morning my time. So this is going to be 7 a.m. Tuesday here on the Gold Coast for me, which is going to be 10 p.m. Monday night in the UK, uh, 2 p.m. on Monday afternoon if you're on the west coast of the US, a little bit later if you're on the east coast. So there's going to be at times where hopefully we can get a bunch of people in there. And what I really want to know when we're doing that, so Rob and I are going to be there and then Charlotte will be watching in because she's project managing the whole thing. We just want to know what people want to hear. Like what's the, the stories or the background? Uh, you know, how can we make this something that's really, really cool? The, the other books that Rob has done have been, uh, been amazing, particularly things like the Imposter's Handbook. Uh, and there's a personality and a character that, that he brings, but we're hoping to get that out of people watching this as well. So if you're around on Tuesday morning, my time, I'd love you to drop in and give comments on that. Otherwise, I, I will probably put it out in the... In fact, it's embedded in this blog post. You can come back and leave comments later on. And that is the book. Right, let me look at the comments. And then there is just one more thing, one more blog post to talk about. More Facebook stuff, Facebook stuff. Facebook <laughs> Facebook gets a lot of attention. Yeah. So I just made the comment here. You get a breach and you get a breach and you get a breach. Yeah, that is a Troy Hunt story. Actually, fun fact, we are looking for a title and we're looking for a cover. And we have been throwing around ideas. I do have one title in mind, which Charlotte came up with, which I actually think is pretty cool. Uh, but I would love to get feedback from the community. What do you think should be on a cover? What do you think should be in a title? So, uh, yeah, do come and um, do come join in if you can on, on that live stream next week. Last thing here, and we've been going 52 minutes now, is the Ukrainian government. And as, uh, as several people reminded me, it is Ukraine, not the Ukraine. I have not been to Ukraine, uh, hence my geography on that is a little bit rough. Probably not going this year. Hopefully not in the, hopefully will sometime in the not too distant future. So Ukraine Gov is now the 13th government on Have I Been Pwned. They have free access to be able to Google, to be able to Google, to be able to search all of their Ukrainian government domains. So I think that they've got everything from memoryon.gov.ua. Uh, and it's the same with Australia, same with Spain, same with Norway, same with Denmark, same with US, same with Canada. Uh, New Zealand, where are you? Everyone misses you on this platform. I'd like to get New Zealand on. I've had two other governments reach out during the week wanting to come on board as well, so I've got to, I've got to hook those up. Uh, and look, I, I do this because this is useful information to government. I know how hard the people there work, and it is difficult for them to get access to information like this uh, without going through uh, money and contracts and things like that. So in fact, the story I was telling about government people, one of my um, earlier interactions with the NCSC in the UK was someone who heard me tell that story and was was uh, appreciative. And I don't mean that in a strange way, but it was just like, hey, thanks, man. Like, we normally just get shit. Thank you very much for, for being nice. And um, and that began the NCSC relationship and then the ACSC relationship in Australia as well. So, look, all of this stuff is just available and for free because it really doesn't cost me much to, to set that up, and I think it's a good public service. So hopefully uh, there'll be a few more to add on. There's definitely one more blog post next week, which is already written, that I want to push out. Uh, and just as a teaser, it relates to class actions and data breaches. And this goes back to a poll that I put out during the week and a few little comments I made. And I have some strong views on this that I would like to discuss. So that'll uh, almost certainly go out next week and possibly another government next week as well. With that said, thank you very much for watching this. I'm glad OBS held up and it did what I needed it to do. 
And uh, I will uh, come back and do this again next week. Actually, next week I'm going mountain biking in Threadbow. So um, for those of you not from Australia, Threadbow is where I normally go snowboarding every year. Couldn't last year because COVID, uh, but we are going to go mountain biking for most of next week, and I'll be back here on Friday and doing it in the Arvo. But I'll send uh, definitely send some epic photos from literally the top of Australia. It's our highest point in the country that we should be uh, mountain biking down from. You put your bikes on the chairlift, they take you up to the top, and then you ride down, which sounds really awesome. Thanks very much for watching. I shall see you next week.